between. Yeah. I hate when you have to do the backstory with your therapist. They have to ask you about your previous stuff, and I'm like, can we just go on to happening now? <laughs> yeah. It's like I wish you just had a paper. That's <laughs> yeah. Why can't you just, Why can't you just know my history? Like, yeah. <laughs> Great clips has a thing where like they just register your. your yeah. <laughs> they should be like, here's yeah. the trauma that we've solved. Before. Yeah. <laughs> let's just not have. Yeah. Let's not worry. Let's move on from that. Just a slip that you know. Like it's there, but it's not the problem right now. In three, two, one. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Crit Room Podcast. I am your host, Ryan, with my co host. Albert, just Albert. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we are joined with three people today, two familiar voices, one unfamiliar. Uh, we have Sully and Abby back on the mic again. <laughs> Hello. And then joining us today is our awesome friend, Emily. Hello. And then, hi, Emily. Hi, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Architects Anonymous. No, but today we're going to be talking about a bit more of a sobering topic than we typically do. And we're going to talk about facing mental health challenges when it comes to architecture because architecture is difficult, both mentally and academically. And although physically. it's, yeah, and physically sometimes. We've seen it with Reed. His arm broke because of oh architecture. Oh, my gosh, man. <laughs> He had, okay. a, he had a switch to his yeah. le- to the left arm just to get through the semester. It was tough, but he went through. <laughs> <laughs> so you just wanted to talk about a couple of ways of how we've sort of dealt through this because we're now approaching the middle of our fourth year. Seniors. Seniors. Going through that super senioritis. Seniors. Yeah. We're super seniors now. I say super senior, and then my parents are like, don't say that. That just means you're failing. Huh? <laughs> no, we're literally, there's no way I cannot say something. <laughs> you know, we, we just wanted to share some things about how we've gotten this far, you know? I'd be lying if I said I hadn't thought about dropping out a couple times. I know a few people on this panel have shared similar feelings before, and also... Just as a disclaimer, you know, that we have to have one here. We are not medical professionals. Do not talk to us about professional advice. Please find a counselor if you need one. <laughs> I wish we were sponsored by BetterHelp because that would be a really cool plug right now. But, <laughs> but we're not. But we're not. So, um, brain is, so. Yeah. With that, this is just meant to be more of a friendly advice and just talking through it just to get the conversation topic a bit more out there and... We're here yeah. for you. Yeah. And you're here for us. Yeah. yeah it's definitely yeah. a reality of architecture school. It's not fair to leave that out of this kind of podcast. And I think, like, college students in general deal with... I mean, college is a change for everyone. Yeah. And I think it's it impacts mental health, even if you are in architecture or not. But definitely architecture pushes the boundaries a little bit more than any other major. Yes. Yes. I mean, we joke about it all the time, but I think architecture is one of those majors that... There was a study about it. I can't remember what the study was or who it came from, but they... they <laughs> right, legit. You know, the most legit source right here. But they were saying, like, th- they were trying to rank the most, oh, uh, like, yeah. stressful majors yeah, the or... Most, I, the most time-consuming majors. Yeah. And typically... I think it was specifically for master's programs. Yeah. However, um, I mean, we are in a master's program. Yeah. But it was saying that architecture students hold the most hours and and underneath that I believe in this study that I looked at was like chemical engineering yeah so 
Like yeah. that's what I was gonna go into. <laughs> yeah. So you'd have been number two. <laughs> I mean, not to say that chemical. I think chemical engineering is definitely like more brain power than I think architecture. Oh, but architecture is way more. I think they also make a lot more money too. <laughs> Let me tell well, you. you should have done that then. <laughs> I know. No, but I wouldn't enjoy myself. We messed up. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I think that architecture is just like more not to say labor intensive, but you like have to be there and doing work. It's, mm-hmm. And the work may not be super. Like sometimes it is. I think intellectual and sometimes it doesn't necessarily like building a model isn't i wouldn't can say right intellect you're not doing solving math problems you can turn your brain off to build a model yeah, but then for other parts you need to have all weight. of your brain turned yeah. on yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of critical thinking yeah. as well so then centering more on the first thing is i know for a lot of us but me specifically is this idea of burnout just comes up a lot and it comes out almost when you never expected to either so it's not really something you can just plan for and whatever i know I'm about to be burnt out this week. Let me prepare myself. It's more of a thing that you wake up on weekends or the week next and you're like, man, I just, I really don't want to go to studio right now. Like there's nothing in the world that can make me want to go into studio and do mm. these things. I don't know. I'm curious to hear what your guys' experiences are with burnout and especially during COVID times too. Yeah, I feel like my first instances in burnout honestly started in high school because I feel like I was so reliant on winter and summer breaks. Because even as a high schooler, I'd just be craving for those breaks just to stop. And um, I find myself doing that now still, but I feel like I get burnt out earlier because I think there's more responsibilities, more asked of me. And I think with alluding to COVID, just having having so much more isolation than normal, not having a community necessarily available was definitely impactful when it came to my burnout because I didn't have that support system that I normally would have, I guess, Mm -hmm. in a regular school year. So I think that really impacted me. Something I tend to do with burnout and like finding my way of challenging burnout is um, I like the idea of trying to like push myself in terms of if I'm doing something increasingly mentally challenging and I keep doing that, that's when I get burnout. So flipping to something that's a little bit more physical and trying to do something that's more active and exercise and moving my body, whether that's just going to play basketball or go work out at the gym. That's the thing I do in generally because I feel like if I'm still sitting down and watching a show, my burnout doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. It just it's kind of like procrastinating. I'm just like procrastinating addressing my burnout to some degree. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure if I can. I didn't really handle my burnout that well <laughs> yeah. this semester. But in the past, it has been like you were saying, endorphins make you happy. So exercise mm-hmm. was a big part of that. And we've done volleyball mm-hmm. in the past. Like we would organize volleyball games. Just going to the rec helps the rec center. But I found that this semester, my burnout would come after we would hit those milestones mm-hmm. where we'd be finished with one portion oh, of the yeah. project mm-hmm. and then it's like oh I got one tiny ounce of praise I don't need to work anymore or it's like <laughs> yeah, right. oh, you really right. do need to work mm-hmm. more but just finding the the will to push yourself can sometimes be challenging and I definitely struggled with that mm-hmm. this semester there's something about you push everything you got the projects in the past like your years in the mm-hmm. past and then you do the next project so then well they usually would mind. have a like a summer or winter break in between because I feel yeah. like those miles milestones at the end of the semester and then you're like oh I'm gonna go home and relax for a month or three months and you would just sit at home and you could do whatever you wanted and then you would be rebuilt enough to go do it all over again yeah it's similar to workouts where you're like pushing for 10 and then as soon as you hit the 10 you're like I can't do anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like, you just get into your own head. Mm-hmm. Where's like, the spotter, man? Where's the spotter? <laughs> so, like, get it at the smaller scale, and I think second year, we had three projects to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like every time mm-hmm. we went and pushed our hardest through the first project, we didn't have as much burnout because we went to the next project. Right. And, like, mm-hmm. you change your mind. You can reset, reset your gears. You reset your mind. 
So when and was I think a great this year was bad, too. yeah. Mm-hmm. So then this year sucked because we just pushed ourselves a lot, and then we're still working. We're still on working the on the same project. project. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, I don't want to do this I anymore. Like, oh, <laughs> I thought I was done. Like now what? Do, now what? And then it's like, do oh, you didn't think more. about all these other things. So. <laughs> yeah, no, because then that's circling back to the whole idea of burnout. What we were just talking about, where you could reset and everything. Just having this one continuous project has been a really heavy hitter for me, at least, because especially with no that we were about to go study abroad in a couple of months it's just that's the milestone that's the carrot on the stick we're just pushing for that the entire way yeah (laughs) yeah but then it's not really having those set weekends where you finish the project and like oh cool we're done with the project that means we have a free weekends i can go home and see my family and friends again and then come back now i'm reset i can do it again there was never a weekend where it's yeah i can honestly go home this weekend and feel like i'm still caught up or whatever Mm -hmm. and then you get back in the weekend that you did choose to go back you have all that stuff to now get on top of other classes to get caught back up on and then more studio work that's okay now this week here's the agenda this semester was the only semester i didn't go home well i did go home for thanksgiving but i usually i'm only two and a half hours away from home and i didn't go home a single weekend not seeing my family only the one time was man for me those are those grace periods that you're talking about yeah yeah because i we didn't really have any so i didn't have the opportunity to really Mm -hmm. make time to go home Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. my parents definitely stepped up the semester well i it was hard for me to go home similar to everyone i just really appreciate them coming here or like mm-hmm. family coming here mm-hmm. and i took that weekend off yeah just like be with them mm-hmm. and at least that was something that was just like yes this <laughs> makes my mind happy that's again. awesome my parents were gonna visit but then my mom got covid so oh. <laughs> yeah but i think with burnout though i found myself last year was rough but um I would spiral. Like, I feel like I would mm-hmm. get behind and then I couldn't make up for mm-hmm. it. And then I'd get even more behind and more yeah. behind. And just like spiral mm-hmm. to the point where I felt this impending doom because I couldn't, I couldn't make up yeah. for the stuff mm-hmm. that I lost. Well, because a lot of the times people just say like, oh, just take a break or whatever. And not to really throw our program under the bus, but a lot of the times for just academics in general that I've found in my experience is just, even though you have quote unquote sick days that you're allowed to miss school for, mm-hmm. oh, you're feeling like overwhelmed here. Or take a break or whatever but then you do that and then you get caught even further in the spiral mm-hmm. and then yeah. it's they've seemed to forget that they've allowed you to take the break or something and then now you're buried even further exactly uh, i mean i got covid last year and i was two weeks behind and i was given no grace even yeah. though i was literally like had what was causing the pandemic yeah but they i think that I, yeah i mean not to throw in the administration under the bus there wasn't really it's like professors wanted to be understanding of the literal pandemic that was closing the school but at the same time they weren't allowing the grace of me being able to catch up yeah because this is just the underlying thing of how the world works too from obviously the world not, doesn't wait for you yeah but at the same time like you need to heal yourself <laughs> yeah so like there's a really okay. conflicting narrative going on behind this oh like we're really pushing this idea of we need to have mental health and everything but then it, the quote-unquote infrastructure to allow people to take advantage of discovering ways to well, take, take care, care of themselves it's yeah. literally just a ma- it's health mental health is health it's like just so, like physical health like you need to take time to physically get better just mm-hmm. as you need to take time to physically or to mentally get better so i think that it's the same it's one in one health is health and i think that we're not allowed to take those breaks especially professionally mm-hmm. unless you have summer or winter break where you right. actually get the time which <laughs> doesn't happen in the workforce you're not going to get yeah. three months off of your job unless you're in europe <laughs> <laughs> well i also wonder is it healthy to lump 
that much rest into a concentrated period of time mm-hmm. compared to having a balance throughout an extend, extended period of time, which is what I would assume a nine to five might kind of provide a little mm-hmm. bit more, but you know, you can't, you never know. But I just... yeah, no, it was an interesting experience over summer break as I was able to have an internship opportunity. And like what you were just talking about, Abby, was I'll backtrack a little bit in studio in the academic setting. There's no nine to five at our college, at least I know other colleges have specific hours where you're able to exist in the building and had to be, yeah, be kicked out. So then in the culture here, at least it's yeah, the 24 seven type of approach where, oh, I had to get all these things done. I just going to be in studio late at night and there's it's kind of expected but then with the internship and everything it's you clock in at eight and then you leave at five and you're you can do whatever you want to do at that point i had a similar experience in my summer internship i was just like whoa work-life balance because i know people here (laughs) right like talk like talking to literally my only friends in architecture i feel like we don't have a work-life balance Mm -hmm. it isn't that you go and talk about Mm. architecture with your architecture friends constantly i'm constantly thinking about my (laughs) studio project i go home and i'm like literally thinking about the next step i'm gonna do on my project at my internship i went home and i was like i'm gonna go pot some plants like i was just (laughs) like i didn't talk i didn't talk about my work i didn't i mean i talked about my day to my parents because i was living at my parents house Mm. there was that separation i saw that my co-workers they had that separation between home life and work life Mm. which is not a thing in college right now at least that i have experienced i think that's what's so good about last semester with um our previous professor Mm -hmm. um Mm. was during the Friday night, we were just like, hey, we made a we made a deal to ourselves. A like, pact. We made a pact, but we just said, we will not be in the studio on this Friday night and just have fun and just take a mental health break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's difficult too because there's so many things, there's suggestions out there to be, oh, like find hobbies. And if you're finding a lot of, or if you're having a lot of struggle trying to find ways to balance your life, you need to invest in more time management and stuff. Yeah. But then it's time management itself is just extremely subjective and it depends on what you have going on in your life and it's not something that's applicable to just copy and paste semester one to semester five i don't think it's time management it's a matter of priorities and what do you prioritize and it changes depending on what's happening in life Mm -hmm. each semester is different and each week's different you know yeah and like depending on how you're feeling and what else is there's so many factors yeah. that's such a good point like i remember our first year our peer educators they meant so well but just them coming into the room and saying i remember them saying like oh you don't have to do all night you don't have to pull all nighters mm-hmm. like that's a myth you don't have to do it if just you organize your, your time, time. Yeah. was that in our orientation it was like the first day of class i do remember someone saying yeah. that they and then that they never showed up in our studio you know what you are lying to my face <laughs> well, okay i understand what they're saying and there are people that have figured Ooh, out how read. to not do yeah that. Read. there are like, Bo. I, but it's also but it also people, depends and some people yeah. are okay with submitting not their best work yeah. and not mm-hmm. everyone's okay with that yeah mm-hmm. and not everyone and everyone has different standards for the for what they deem as being acceptable and some people like simply can't turn something in unless they know it's good enough 
enough to yeah. and just because of like their anxiety or like just their level of comfort or however you, you might feel so like pushing yourself to get it to that point it takes priority differently in different mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. especially as someone who deals with problems with being a perfectionist I mean I've always had that problem that's something that's I remember having a problem with in middle school so I mean I've unlearned a lot of things since then like I've had to accommodate realistically how life works is you can't you can't be a perfectionist especially in architecture when the design is never finished so it's like what you have to learn when to stop mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. great how do you okay so I guess let's goes back to our, like another um, subject that we were going to talk about or topic about when do you know when, when to ask for help right because mm-hmm. a lot of these things that you're feeling is very internal and like you you sit with these emotions how do you know when to, when to talk to someone about these things that's true because I know last semester wasn't it wasn't last semester the the semester before that I was breaking down almost every month and so I went to do a therapist or like a therapy session with counselor service over here but that was because I knew that I was not I don't, I'm not the type of person that breaks down easily mm-hmm. and the fact that I did signified to me that I needed help mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah I mean I think for me going and reaching out to therapy isn't a big deal but it may be a big deal to other people I don't see therapy as like a huge decision at least for me I was I've been in therapy on and off since junior year of high school I don't see it as a big deal whereas I know some people think that that's a huge step for help I was just, I think this is something I need to do. And I've done it here and there with the counseling center. Yeah, and it's definitely less taboo than it used to be. For sure. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easier for girls to reach out to do therapy versus maybe guys because it's, I don't know, there's more taboo there than for Mm -hmm. girls. Yeah. I would say in my family, which I hope my parents aren't listening to this, but I would say in my family that even though they might not feel this way, it maybe was a little bit of a stigma around going to therapy also probably because it's expensive Mm. and like it's a privilege to be able to go to a therapist and Mm. like we're lucky to have some sort of services available to us even though the things that are available to us aren't actually fully legitimate Mm -hmm. uh, therapists so I think there are for different people, it's good that our school provides us like therapy services that students can just independently go to without insurance. Mm-hmm. Because with other people making the call to your parents and saying, I need help, mm-hmm. they they're some people are going to have a hard time knowing how to respond. Le- or... Yeah, or the parents are not going to think that it's a legitimate mm-hmm. reasoning. Reason. Yeah. yeah, so it's hard to... Because your parents also aren't here with you. They don't know what goes on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, also, they might have gone through hard times and like made it through without therapy, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that, that your concerns and like your that needs are valid. That means they should have gone to therapy either. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely <laughs> feel like a lot of parents should have gone to therapy, but maybe they just couldn't. When they could have. And so it's it can be harder for if you're reliant financially on your parents for that kind of thing. Also with, like, receiving medication if you need it. Like, mm-hmm. I've had friends that have discovered that they have really bad OCD or bipolar disorder and mm-hmm. they need to be medicated, but they can't because their parents just don't believe in the mm-hmm. legitimacy mm-hmm. of that. I mean, so. I actually had that. I mean, I was diagnosed with ADHD just recently in the last few, like, I guess eight months, I want to say. And my mom was not a huge fan of the idea of getting medicated, mm-hmm. but I mean, thankfully she like was like, okay, you can mm-hmm. try it out. She wasn't completely anti-medication mm-hmm. in this instance, because she has in the past, I've dealt with insomnia actually due to AD- ADHD mm-hmm. and not knowing that. Mm-hmm. And I started taking melatonin and my mom was like, 
just do yoga. <laughs> I was like, um, I don't think yoga is going to make me, my insomnia go away. I think that's better than what my parents said to me was essentially what they said to me. I told them about my problem, and then what they said to me was like, cool story, bro. <laughs> and I was oh like, oh, gosh. God, is this how it is? <laughs> but no, like, yeah. legitimately, I don't think they, I don't, I just don't think that they like related to me in that way and so mm-hmm. that's why I never really I that was my one time asking for help from them mm-hmm. and then since they didn't connect with me I was like I learned for myself I was like these are not the type of people that I should be trying to ask for help from and so mm-hmm. I went to some place else to ask help mm-hmm. and so yeah and like for me too I like not that I've ever been against going to therapy and stuff but for similar reasons like we talked on beforehand where it's you have sick days but then you're not really allowed to use those sick days for me it's always been the case therapy to me just seems like it'd be another big time commitment to stick to and to keep on going to that weekly and take that much more time out of studio which is going to increase my stress or anxiety Mm -hmm. in studio to then go on rants to them and spend a few weeks just trying to get them caught up to speed with where my brain's been at Mm -hmm. for the past four or five Mm -hmm. years or something and And you have to be able to to like build the trust between yeah i hate when you have to do the backstory with your therapist they have to ask you about your previous stuff and I'm like can we just go on to happening now <laughs> yeah it's like I wish you just had a paper that great clips has a thing where like they just register your trauma that we've solved yeah. Yeah. let's just not have yeah. to worry about that let's, not worry. let's move on from that just a slip that you yeah. can oh, it's, <laughs> like, it's there but it's not the problem right now <laughs> but honestly though I will if you don't what's helped me honestly this year I just started this this semester is journaling i've never really actually journaled before Mm. until this semester and i thought like when people say that like having a diary journaling i'm like that's lame like there's no way that actually helps you that much but i've not been like extremely consistent but i would say probably at least once or twice a week i'll journal Mm. and i haven't been i did therapy a lot last Mm. semester but i didn't continue i decided not to continue to do it this semester but i think that honestly the journaling kind of mitigated that Mm -hmm. need for therapy i definitely started okay so my poetry (laughs) poetry like i i wrote down some posts so like i was going through some some hard stuff right and so i started writing down poetry and my writing down poems and i showed that stuff to the therapist or whatever and he was like wow you're feeling some deep deep thoughts <laughs> I was like, yes but, i am but, like the poetry help you yes it helped me a lot it made me it made me realize what types of emotions i was feeling mm. and that's what journaling did for me yeah because yeah. like there's like there's a lot of things that are going inside your head and then once you write it down and like you start to understand oh that part right there that you wrote down that's coming from resentment or anger or like jealousy or and then it goes back you know you just start to like untangle your own brain and it not only did that for me writing everything down also helped me realize what maybe the other person was thinking and usually Mm. it was like social situations and relationships and dynamics of that and i think that writing it down not only helped me understand what i was thinking and what i was feeling it was also helping me with potentially where they were coming from and why they were doing something Mm -hmm. and why i reacted that way to it Mm -hmm. potentially or why they reacted to something i did and the way they did Mm -hmm. so i think that provided me a lot of clarity, which you can also get from therapy. 
Yeah. No, I I used to journal a lot back in late middle school and early to mid high school with the similar things where I just have a lot going on my in my brain 24-7 mm-hmm. where it's hard for me to be able to turn my brain off. Mm-hmm. So then how I usually try to go about it is I like to go for a lot of therapeutic walks and things just because if I'm moving my body in some way, I'm able to start to focus in on my thoughts a bit more coherently. And then usually, well, my two favorite outlets to try and get through those kind of things is usually like playing guitar or whatever, or going to the gym or trying to go for a walk, because that's the most accessible thing for me to do. Like, I don't have to get ready to go for a walk. I can just go for a walk. And then going into that point a bit more is I think outlets are pretty important if you help in that moment or just focus in on de-stress the situation. Mm. I think those kind of outlets are really nice to find. Yeah. I think when I wrote down some some of my poems, it came it made me realize that I really value friendship a lot mm. and I started to heal a lot faster when I put myself in situations where I was with friends. So like when I was going through some of the stuff that I was going through on during the fall, Sam was there. We were doing the project together and then we were also watching a Netflix TV show on the side and we were just like that was stupid and we were just like <laughs> laughing at each other at the TV show as well. I don't know. It, it felt like because I went to go get help and also wrote down some stuff it mm-hmm. made me realize that certain things really helped me um, my healing process once again this is not professional advice <laughs> no but that's a good point um I think the original question was when do you know when, yeah. you, when you should get help mm-hmm. and like for me when you were saying how you get into your head that is a very good indicator as to when I need to be cautious of taking care of myself but one of the first indications mentally things are not going well mm-hmm. um because when I start to notice that I'm not in the present and I'm not, I, I'm in a long distance relationship and I will, I used to drive down to Kansas City every single weekend, which is like a two hour drive. Mm-hmm. And there would be instances where it would be an hour going by and I would just not, I would, it sounds dangerous, which it probably was, but I would just kind of black out and not really notice like how much time had passed because I was in my head so much. Mm-hmm. And I was never really alarmed by that until one evening I actually started to have a panic attack while I was driving and it was extremely scary and I pulled over on the side of the road and like couldn't breathe and called my mom and I was like I'm not I don't know what to do and she can't help me she's Mm. like (laughs) three states away but that was kind of one of those moments where it was you should have seen the signs coming which I had never seen them before but Mm. now I know which sucks but it's need to realize when you're in your head a lot it's kind of an indicator that it's you need to be taking care of yourself and maintaining those reality checks and also just taking pauses and also it's one of those things that oh that's dumb but the breathing exercises Mm -hmm. that diaphragmatic breathing exercises that could calm yourself down really help me and there's a ton of tutorials online but they just help you center yourself and bring yourself back into the present because when I have panic attacks, I kind of zoom out and see myself from a third-person mm-hmm. point of view where I'm not in my own body, which could be very, 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 very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're a person who has anxiety, that could be a valuable thing, to, uh, act of self-care to just research that in case it does happen to you, what you should do mm-hmm. and how to recognize the signs of that before it comes. I think there's also some idea behind around like the your love languages, really. Mm. Um, I don't know, but to me, my three top ones are physical touch or First one is quality time, um, words of affirmation, and physical touch. 
And when I was going through the interview thing, the interview process with this firm, just this this semester, I was inside my own head the whole time. And I think for me, I, I knew that I needed someone to tell me that, because at the time I was going through imposter syndrome, right? I was like, mm-hmm. there's so many people out there that are more talented than I am. I needed someone to tell me why I was chosen, all those other people, and why I had the opportunity to do that. So like the words of affirmation from a professor, and I asked them, I'm having this imposter syndrome, I need help. Why am I feeling like this? Is there a way that you can help me? And no, what um, this professor said really touched me. And like the words of affirmation that she, she told me um, left a deep impression in me. I don't know. To me, that's what it was. And also quality time with Sam, watching those TV shows and just being there with him was also hmm. important to me. No, that's a pretty cool parallel. That I feel like that does have something to do with it. Maybe, I can, this isn't a professional advice, but that seems like it makes a lot of sense because when I'm getting very stressed out, my first like immediate outlet is to go for a walk and do something physical. And that happens to be one of my first things to just want to do something physical to get rid of like... My unhealthy coping mechanism is impulse buying something. <laughs> and one of my love languages is gifts. So. <laughs> Are we on to something right now? Toxic oh, traits. Love yourself. <laughs> Loving yourself with gifts. <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> I agree with what Abby is saying, like trying to spot the signs. I want to ask for help and stuff, for me at least, is when I know those immediate outlets for me aren't working, like going for a walk, being able to play guitar, being able to talk to my friends immediately. Mm-hmm. If that's not starting to work for me, then I know that's a pretty big indicator that I need to find some form of actual help. Or just feeling like a hopelessness. Yeah. I think that when I was like, oh, this is a problem, I'm feeling like nothing mattered. Mm-hmm. Just hopelessness and I don't know, like that was tough. That was mm-hmm. really rough for me. But mm-hmm. I think that trying to find meaning in other things and that came from a lot of relationships. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then obviously we've all been around each other throughout all these four years. We were talking about how to just ask for help and everything too. But then how do you become like a supportive friend for friends around you who maybe you're not quite so sure they're going through something, but they might be going through something to the point where you know they're going through something and you're trying to be there for them as much as you can, but you don't know what to really do about it. Have there been anything from your experience, once again, not professional advice, <laughs> has there been anything from your experience that has helped, maybe it helped out a little bit, or I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because you can't be your friend's therapist. Right. And you shouldn't have to be. Because mm-hmm. I've been in situations where it felt like I needed to be. And I can't do that for someone. It just, unfortunately, they need to serve their own, find their own help. But what you can do instead is just check up on them and just be there for them as a friend. Because mm-hmm. that's what friends are supposed to do, and that's all friends can do, unfortunately. But yeah. I think setting it's important to set those boundaries, but also recognize those boundaries that mm-hmm. you just need to be there for them and you need to be there for them just as a friend and a support system, but only as a friend and not crossing the borders of being more than mm-hmm. an emotional rock for someone that you can't support. Mm. Yeah. I, well said. <laughs> 100%. I had a similar experience with a very close friend and you can't, you have to be really careful about that because you can also put yourself in dangerous situations mm-hmm. since obviously some people are more willing to, are willing to give more than others, but be wary of, you need to be supportive, but you shouldn't become the person who bears the burden of everything. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I've heard a good, I don't know if analogy is the right way to like express it, but it was like what Emily or what you two were just saying about how 
you have to understand as a friend, you have to just be a friend. You can't be another therapist for them. In the similar way of you wouldn't expect a cashier to all of a sudden turn into a police officer if something really bad started happening at the supermarket or whatever. You would look to the police officer, like the professional, mm -hmm. to do the appropriate thing or whatever. If some friend was talking to you about their broken leg, like, why are you looking at me? Like, I'm not a doctor. Talk to a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to I'll bring you to the doctor and everything, but I can't nurse your leg. <laughs> I don't know like how to do I that. Just like physical health and mental health are very similar. Yeah. It's like, you can't treat someone's physical wounds. Why would you be expected to treat their mental wounds? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then for, I know, uh, Man, that's deep. Albert, <laughs> I can't remember who was all there, but we were walking around outside one night and we were just trying to think about how to be there for friends, just recognizing how much our friend group has been there for each other. And really the best thing from what I would think to do is to just continue being the same friend you would be when they're in great condition for their mental health as you would be for when they're in poor condition for their mental health. Mm -hmm. Maybe with the exception of just being a bit more, uh, invite them a bit more often mm -hmm. than you typically would be or like or i think just checking up on them more regularly yeah i remember that walk that was a good walk <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's one thing about this program is we've all been together for five years now oh four years right yeah, yeah. four years yeah. <laughs> going on sorry i've been here for another year before oh, yeah. i started architecture but it's just crazy how much we've all experienced together and seen my friends lose loved ones i've seen like i've seen them celebrate getting their first jobs i've seen just people like get engaged yeah i've seen people <laughs> get engaged i've seen just i've seen a solar eclipse <laughs> <laughs> but actually though like you just share so many human experiences in this program because you're always here with those people mm -hmm. and it's it's hard not to become that therapist in their life because you're going to care about them so much yeah mm -hmm. um, obviously make me cry yeah. but <laughs> No, but and I also, sometimes that's okay because mm -hmm. sometimes your friend needs it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can also like take them out to ice cream too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to be so extreme. <laughs> Except for <laughs> ice cream does bad things to me. Well, I don't want to go into depth with that. <laughs> Again, for me, it's always nice to keep in mind that you should try to be as good of a friend as you can be at all times. And sometimes they just need to know that they can rely on you during their hard times as well which is why it's so good to be consistent maybe just slightly a bit more when they're going through those hard times and uh, invite them out for ice cream first if you notice her <laughs> except for albert Albert yeah. doesn't yeah yeah <laughs> i can get a smoothie yeah <laughs> i can get uh sherbert 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 sherbet that's the one about sorbet sorbet it's sorbet that doesn't have sorbet i have no idea there are dairy-free alternatives i don't i don't I don't really care. I'm gonna eat ice cream whether you like it or not, but you guys will be in danger. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but ultimately, I think it's about like recognizing your own boundaries. Mm -hmm. I mean, even with architecture, mm -hmm. it's recognized. You need to make boundaries in college, mm -hmm. friendships, architecture, tests. A yeah. lot of boundaries. Similar to my boundaries with ice cream. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, I think another thing, I know I'm a creature of habit and routine, and when I'm not in my routine, then I start to get a lot more stressed out about situations than I typically would when I am in my normal routine. But like routines are really important to me. And I started to piece that together this year with handling other stressful weeks, like production week is what we call it at art school. I don't know if it's the same other places, mm-hmm. but start to face like a lot of stressful situations to me. I've tried my best to try to keep into the same routine that I typically have. For example, I like to try to work out in the mornings as many days of the week as I can and then get ready to get to school and then go to school mm-hmm. so I can have that a little bit of a work-life balance. But then very quickly, once it turns into the production week, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh shoot, I have like no time to do anything. I have to go to school right away. So then I throw away the workouts in the morning and then I throw away eating good and I'll just get like yeah. the fast food right away because I need to get things done now. So mm-hmm. I I've found that trying to set a schedule for myself has kept me a bit more in tune during those times of stress because more often than not for me at least it's been an illusion of lack of time than Mm. the true amount of hours that it takes to complete a task. I just overanalyze and freak out and think that Mm. it's going to take me longer so it does take me longer and then I lose all sense of my routine because it's vanished from Mm. beneath me. I don't know if anyone else has had similar cases with that but I, I guess <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I well, I feel like I don't make those schedules because I, I just, I've just i never done that because I can't like, <laughs> I'm not sure I just usually make a general goal like I want this done on this a to-do day list. and I never yeah, get it done on I time have. even though not for lack of trying it, I, I'm not that organized I don't know <laughs> I used to be and then I it, timetables kind of give me a lot of anxiety so yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna do it no matter how it takes how long it takes me what happened for me is I would get like it would hit me all at once that oh I need to do especially production week the week that the project's due it would hit me at some point in time and I'd be like I need to work on everything right now and I would get so overwhelmed I would just freeze Mm -hmm. I would just stop Mm. I, I just couldn't move on and when I reached that point it was just so overwhelming and then I would procrastinate by actually making schedules <laughs> to-do list and google calendars and everything because yeah. that was what made me feel stable mm. and um, whether that was a good thing or not it made me feel like I was more in control because mm. it, it made it, ga- it gained more control over the situation than I actually had yeah so, I was stressed for you. Every time I look at your calendar, I'm just like, <laughs> I do that because if I you. don't do that, I get paralyzed and I don't work. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. I or get just... so overwhelmed by the amount of thoughts in my head of all the things I have to do. And just writing a to-do list isn't enough anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I have to have it hourly scheduled out. It's gone to that point. Yeah. So, like, just for context, I look over at Emily's, like, computer and then... All, like her my week second is, screen always has my her calendar. week is like red blue and like every single hour is filled it's like there's a sleep schedule in there too I'm like oh bro what only during production week do I have a sleep schedule <laughs> <laughs> like how do you time out your, your your sleep no but I just literally just have a to do list and then the to-do yeah. list has a prioritization that I need to do yeah same so. I think I'm I just use one list though. and then yeah, yeah. 
that's what it's turned into for me. Setting the normal schedule for me was more or less, I still try to make the effort to go to the gym. Maybe it's not going to be all five days of the week like I wanted it to be, but if it can be three days and I can convince myself that after writing out the bullet points of what I need to get accomplished and getting a couple of things scratched off, then allows me to start to like breathe a bit more and realize that, okay, I, I have a bit more time than I realize. I don't have to completely abandon my typical like weekly routine just because it's production week doesn't mean I have to freak out and mm. throw all logic and everything away. I can still set myself up to succeed by keeping some of these routines in place and not completely like mm. going off rails. But you have to have the motivation to prioritize your routine. Because yeah. if you don't yeah. prioritize your routine, it will not happen. <laughs> very, very this true. Semester, I don't think I... It's so hard because as you guys are saying this, I feel like at one point I did relate to that and then in this semester it has flown that, that has flown out <laughs> yeah. the window. Yeah. I don't have... There have been... I have to be completely transparent. There have been just a lot of unhealthy things I've done this semester and it's just like I need to get back on track. <laughs> my psychiatrist asked me when I take my um, ADHD medication and I'm like, well, it depends on the day because I don't wake up at the same time every day and she's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, it could be at 7 a.m. and it could be noon. I don't know. <laughs> they don't understand. Yeah, or you like start to forget what day of the week is it because mm-hmm. you were awake until 2 a.m. and you like slept till 3. I don't know. It's yeah, just it's like, a lot of bad stuff. Yeah, but. I would. I was getting to the point where I was waking up at 4 in the morning to get into studio because I was like procrastinating coming in at night. I'm like, I'll just wake up at 4 and I just won't take my four medication. 4 a.m. Oh my wow. god. I wake up at 4 a.m. I'll come to the studio at 5 and then um, I'd walk with my roommates. I would go with two of my roommates and they would do it with me and we would work. <laughs> and it, it worked. It like cuz I think in the morning there was no one really in studio. Oh at yeah, that I did see you that one time. There was a couple times I did it. Sometimes I would <laughs> leave to go home take a nap. But I was productive in the time I was there. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, long story short version of it is none of us are perfect again, which is why I want to express <laughs> this is not professional advice Don't but this take it to heart. yeah it's just opportunity for you to yeah hear from our experiences and our friendly you know what actually take it to heart (laughs) (laughs) do exactly what we're doing not (laughs) professionally yeah (laughs) like just so you guys know like we struggle too we don't have all the answers figured out that's partially why we have all these topics that we bring up so we can start to figure out a bit more of what our collective brains have experienced in the past and maybe offer a solution but for the love of god don't i would say don't glorify this like this is not we're not like being like oh we're so cool like we don't how late did you stay up till last night two slacker i stayed up till four it's like oh you guys got (laughs) sleep last night slackers freshman and a little bit into sophomore year i believe people do that there was a competition of who worked harder it's very bad it's like just because you were here until 2 a.m that means that you probably didn't prioritize your time well enough because someone else got to leave at 7 p.m. Yeah. So you are people have hard. different yeah. works. People have mm-hmm. different work schedules. Also, people yeah. have different responsibilities and yeah. the level of leisure that they are afforded within mm-hmm. their time schedule. Mm-hmm. So, but it's just easy to be critical ever. of people. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a really good point to bring up too. Is another thing that at least for me is I get into a really bad habit of comparing my work schedule to other people's, and I often find myself even to this day like getting jealous of other people's schedules. Like, oh, only if I didn't have this dumb seminar I would have had time to work on all these diagrams Mm -hmm. I could have actually shown my professor something that was good instead of 
piece of paper or whatever with nothing on it. But then it's easy for other people to be like, oh, well, I have to balance a job and I have to do all of these classes and I have a test today and all these other things. So when you get into this battle of comparing your work schedule to other people's work schedules, it gets really toxic because mm. it's you, very toxic. you never win at the end of the day because you're never the busiest person and you're never the least busy in the room. And then for me, at least, get into this <laughs> grind mentality where it's like, oh, if I'm not working nearly as hard as the other people, well, then they're going to be the ones that excel to the top and then to add on to that i felt guilty for having my leisure time or guilty so yeah. it wasn't even so i was like well so-and-so was in studio when i was you know i went out to the bars on saturday night and now i didn't have time to do this because other people were in studio and i am hungover. like yeah. <laughs> I, it's just like i would regret having fun with people and mm-hmm. regret doing things like that i actually enjoyed or just even having a night in like yeah. just doing laundry and like watching Netflix yeah. like it's like I regretted doing that like yeah. really like I needed to do that like mm. I needed that time to <laughs> decompress so I think that I would feel guilty and blame myself for not being this beast who's in studio yeah. constantly it's like well you, you can't just do that that's what we were talking about earlier this week was it's not laziness really it's just or it's I don't know it's like <laughs> self help and, and like you're just the lack scared. of motivation mm-hmm. to do the things that you need to do because you're not enjoying your life at the moment yeah well it's not even just that it's if you don't care for yourself you're gonna burn out quicker yeah like if you don't take that time to stay in on that friday or saturday night and you know kind of not waste your weekend but it's actually you're not wasting a weekend Mm because you're taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. and as a result you're prolonging your ability to not be burnt out unless you're just getting wasted and (laughs) (laughs) not that i do that all the time but i want to get white girl wasted (laughs) in moderation yes abby and i friday night yeah (laughs) respectfully no but but that's why i was stressing the the importance of for me again trying to keep that schedule in place because then if i have that routine in place I know I'm at least setting myself up to still have a little bit of self-care and if it's less than the last week then it is but if it's the same as or you know have the effort Mm -hmm. that trying to think it back on this like I don't know trying to piece something Mm -hmm. digestible in this podcast we've been rambling for so many different topics and things but no no. but if anything it's just an open door into the realities of school and architecture and life in general yeah Mm -hmm. even though we were joking about it a little bit before about how some people would walk around and be like you don't have to pull all nighters if you prioritize your time it is completely true but you have to be realistic with what you're expecting out of your college experience for one mm-hmm. your experience in architecture school too and then just how you want to balance your life out the whole idea if you were to summarize this whole thing i would say it's a matter of what your priorities are and then being able to attach a realistic expectation of what those priorities mean in your life if If you are someone who wants to prioritize your mental health, your actual physical health and sleep schedule and everything, then you realistically have to understand that you're not going to be able to put your hours into studio that you may need to in order to bring your project all the way up to an A plus status. You're going to have to leave at 10 p.m. in order to get your eight hours of sleep to then wake up for your class in the mornings and then fit 
in everything else into your schedule. Mm-hmm. Not to say it's bad, but it, again, you have to understand the realities of it. Life Set isn't fair all the time. And be realistic with yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if you're the person who wants to go out and party all the time, maybe it becomes more of a compromised thing where it's like, okay, I can't party every day of the week. However, Friday nights, I'm going to set the priority and boundary that I won't go into studio on a Friday night. I'm going to go out with friends, wherever that means, and we'll do that for Friday. And then Saturday, we can get back into the zone. Being more realistic about what Mm. the expectations are. And if you prioritize it and truly try to follow those priorities, you should be able to manage everything to keep yourself mentally okay. Go ahead. Um, But in addition to all of that, which I completely 100% agree with, I think it's also important to find people who respect those boundaries. Mm. And also, like, because you need a community. You can't just be by yourself. So I think that, yes, of course, that's 100%. But you also need to um, surround yourself with people who respect those boundaries and also encourage you to fulfill those mm-hmm. responsibilities. Because mm-hmm. I think it's important to have people surrounding you that encourage you to do the like do what you want to do and support yeah. your same similar ideology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also maybe test some ideology. They don't yeah. have to be exactly like an echo right. chamber of your own thoughts, but I think it's important to have people that support you in things that you want to do and accomplish. Yeah. Yep. That's why our previous studio was such a blessing in disguise for me, at least, having our studio Friday getaways, where I already had in my mind that I would take Fridays off from studio regardless, but then applying those Fridays to do something with our studio members was something I never really considered before. You probably felt less guilty for going out and because that everyone else was going out too. Yeah. So it felt more like acceptable because everyone else supported that decision. Yeah, and it became more of a bonding thing too. So it had like two beneficial properties of it instead of just the guilty feeling of running away from studio. I think we're at a good stopping place. We yeah. typically like to do our, our, our final thoughts or takeaways from this if you want to start. That. Oh, no, I had have... you doing that earlier, I think. <laughs> Sully first. Yeah, I was gonna say Sully's been quiet, but he's been listening intently. Well, I've been quiet because I've been holding in this for a while and it's <laughs> me from saying anything because my mind and focus was on that. Oh my! Well, you should have gone earlier. He, he went to the bathroom. Uh, by the I way. did, that's, and I that's what he I've was been drinking on. a lot of water. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, my big thing for mental health is drink more water. That's all. <laughs> but actually, like facts, um, water is uh, life's medicine. Yes. But I will say I've appreciated what everyone said because I feel like I've not pursued the ideas of journaling or stuff like that. And based on what people were saying and their perspectives, it seems like actually a really good method. So just finding that for myself, I would say just find those avenues, find ways to not just talk, to figure out things, find that help, whether that's going to be yourself or your journaling or through other people, professionals. Mm. Outlets. And, and, you know, just find find the ability to be loose and free, but also schedule yourself a little bit too. You can have that list of points that you want to do during production week, but dedicating an amount of hours to that certain thing in checkpoint so then you don't get stuck and lost. I feel like I was holding that in for a while now. <laughs> There's a lot there. Sorry. Uh, hmm. Well, like I was saying before, I don't know if I've done the best job at maintaining my mental health this semester, but just things that I've learned in the past have helped me just learning to not be so critical of myself and accepting the fact that I can turn in work that I don't feel is like 100% my best effort if it means that I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. And just learning how to mentally speak kindly to myself. And like sometimes I'll do an exercise where I'm talking to my younger self and I'm being encouraging that person to keep going and that usually helps me to move forward. Mm. 
um, because I, a part of me feels that like what I'm working for is to show my younger self that I can do things well mm. and that usually gives me the motivation to keep going mm-hmm. is to encourage that version of my version of myself that's younger that I'm capable of doing good things and moving forward young Abby would be very proud of yes. you she would mm-hmm. she would be so proud yeah I, I feel like I get in the habit of beating myself up a lot I'm my own worst critic for sure but I do have to step away way and when I was a freshman in college I remember looking up to fourth and fifth years mm-hmm. and now that we're all fourth years I'm like I have to take that perspective of what I used to see fourth years and what I'm doing now and as a freshman I would be proud of myself I know that mm. but I forget that because I feel like I could be doing more yeah mm. but I think that you do have to be realistic with yourself you have to take be more reflective and I think that journaling has done that for me to be more reflective and having some sort of support system Mm-hmm. is essential yeah just like recognizing what you're capable of and being realistic with that as well as setting boundaries mm-hmm. and also i think the that setting um, a routine is important because you're keeping yourself accountable of what your goals are is essential and mm-hmm. routine is a great way mm-hmm. to do that um to document it in a way of sorts i'm definitely someone who likes to have things written down documented so like to-do lists calendars planners mm-hmm. um and now journaling, so I think that that has helped me in, I guess, way of trying to improve my mental and physical health. Mm-hmm. I think my main takeaway is to know yourself a little bit better. And to me, it's the idea of like the love language, right? If you know what you want from for yourself, be it like quality time, be it like words of affirmation, you have to seek those from other people as well. And so for me, quality time and words of affirmation are the two biggest things. And so I, I'm very generous in my compliments to people, but also I seek compliments from my professors and from other people as well, just so that I can put some more gas into my, uh, into my car of uh, <laughs> studio and just not get burnt out, you know. Yeah. But yeah, just hanging out with friends is also a big part. So like, if you know who you are and what you want from other people, seek those from Easier those people. Easier said than done. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing yeah. what you want, honestly, is hard to figure out sometimes. It takes a long time to really get yourself into a point where you start to understand what allows you to be productive and in a good mental space. It doesn't happen overnight. I mean, clearly all of us are four years into a program and we're still not really certain if we're doing it right or not. But reflecting back off of what I was saying a bit earlier too, is just being able to have realistic expectations of what is phys- capable of happening in your major at the college you're at in the your age group and everything, the people who are around you, and then allowing yourself to have those priorities match with it and be okay at the fact that your life is not going to be the same as somebody else that maybe you want it to be like and that can contribute to a lot of negative mental health when you're in this comparison game Mm -hmm. and I'm still pushing through this personally myself and trying to remember that I'm just living my life how it's meant to be lived right now and I can only do what I think is going to be the best in the next step Mm -hmm. and just try my best to do the best that I can Mm -hmm. and then echo a couple of things everyone else has said too about like making sure you have a good group of friends around you because I truly believe this if you have a good group of people around you it's going to be really hard to fail and fail yourself because they're going to keep you accountable in a positive way Mm -hmm. and keep you going in the right direction I don't know I think that's that's kind of about it (laughs) no one actually has their together yeah no one one has their together we're still figuring out to this day you're gonna have a lot of ups and downs in architecture school believe all of us all of our experiences are for you to sort of learn from Mm -hmm. and hopefully do better than us (laughs) okay we're here for you yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> and I mean, that's partially why the podcast exists too, is so you have another point of reference. So if you don't really find that comfort space at your studio itself yet, then we're a point of reference for you guys to figure out what you might find later on or something. We are here for you. <laughs> yes. Can't promise that. Only yeah. if yeah. only if you are here for we're us. We're not professionals, and yeah. this is only advice. Yeah. And yeah. Albert's lying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have all the answers. Inspirit. <laughs> <laughs> Albert's a professional. He'll be there for you. I've gone through many therapy sessions. I am a Therefore, professional. <laughs> That's totally I how mean, it works. Not, totally <laughs> cool. Honestly, as cliche yeah. as it is, it's, you're really you're not alone. Yeah. Like, I'm sure all these experiences that we're sh- experiences we're sharing are not. If TikTok original. has taught me anything, you're not the only one experiencing what you are yeah. experiencing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. I have been your host Ryan with my co-host. Albert, just Albert. <laughs> <laughs> and our three amazing guests, Emily. Oh, did I say something? Uh, You're saying my name. Yeah, no. just say bye. <laughs> oh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Abby. Bye. And Sully. Sayonara. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.